Welcome to the 69th episode of the Baseball HQ Eyes Have It podcast. I am Chris Blessing, and I am joined by my co-host, Brent Hershey. We have a good but different show ahead of us today, including a look at, at a few Marlins hitting prospects I saw and breakdowns of some organizations who are not quite up to muster developing players. Uh, but first, Brent, how are you doing uh, this evening on Monday? Uh, this Monday, I'm doing okay. Um Busy Monday here as usual. Uh, getting some, I think, some thunderstorms here tonight. So hopefully we'll be in, we'll, we'll be able to make through that. Uh, but yeah, had a good weekend. Um, getting feeling like we're in the dog days of summer here, and you know, kind of fantasy teams are, uh, uh, you know, kind of getting into the thick of it with whatever it is, uh, six eight weeks left of the season. Um, yeah. So doing well. Uh, how about yourself? How are you? I'm doing okay. I uh, am a little thunderstruck, I guess what it would be. Uh, we've been getting nonstop everyday storms. Not nonstop. I mean, they're stopped right now. Uh, but it's everybody is so worn down by these storms. Every day it storms. Uh, last night was maybe the worst thunderstorm that I've gone through in 10 years. Uh, we lost wow. power uh, for t- 20 minutes. The other side of my subdivision that's on a different grid was out until past 1 a.m. at least. Uh, that's when I went to bed. I could see that they had no lights because their street lights weren't on on that side right. of the subdivision. Uh, and uh, thankfully tonight, overnight, is the last night for a while. Uh, unfortunately, there's no baseball games to go to this week around here. So... <laughs> Uh, I was dodging uh, raindrops all last week, uh, including uh, one of the reasons why I got to see three games of the series that I got to see was yeah. because of a rainout. I got to see a doubleheader, made things, made all life right. a little easy coming, going to see them. So, uh, yeah. 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 So, yeah, you got out to the park last week to check out some uh, Florida Marlins prospects. And judging from, I guess, the lack of fanfare on uh, Twitter or excuse me, uh, it doesn't seem like, um, you know, many of these kind of performed very well for you, but anyway, uh, let's start off by talking about the biggest name, which is, uh, a 2022 first rounder, um, six overall, he went, uh, corner man, Jacob Barry. Um, I think if I remember correctly, you had some questions about, uh, about Barry, uh, once he was drafted and uh curious what uh what's your live look uh had to say to you so i i don't know how he was drafted how he was ranked so high i know why he was drafted but i was very surprised that pre-draft last year he was ranked so high um i thought i was alone on this there were several other people and i've talked to people contacts in organizations that were not the miami marlins who all said that they didn't really necessarily have him as high um, I've heard from fell from from other scouts that there were things to like things that have seemingly kind of disappeared. But uh, I, I went into my evaluation with some some data. Uh, one of the things when you're looking at and I'm talking about the evaluation last year, when you're looking at college data, it's really key to know 
when they're doing their most damage. Uh, yeah. There's five games a week, usually. There's a Friday game, which is would be the number one starter. Number two starter goes on Saturday. Number three starter goes on Sunday. And then you've got the weekday starters. Essentially the fourth and fifth starter on a college team. You know, tends to be those guys that in the college uh, playoffs play up in, in relief one day, and then they're put to starting pitching you know, as a starter another day, and it doesn't go well. Uh, so not the greatest level of competition after the weekend, and that is who Barry, first when he was at Arizona, and then when he was at LSU, really kind of uh, beat up on. Um, so what I wrote last year was 2022 first round pick enjoyed solid debut in low A. He was physically maxed out, slightly open upright left-handed hitter with a hitchy load. Okay, he's also a switch hitter too. So uh, unorthodox swing with length and above average bat speed doesn't get to hard contact enough. It was a linear swing trajectory to, which depressed his raw plus power. He was a below average runner. Struggles with hands and throws at third base. Um, then I went on to the development path and said that Barry is more advanced than the level that he played at in 2022. And then he would debut at high yeah. A, which he did this year. And that he would end up in double A, which he's in there. Um, and then I wrote what I just said. Many amateur scouts believe this top 10 selection by the Marlins was a little bit of an overdraft. He doesn't get to hard contact enough to drive the hit tool without serious uh, refinement. Uh, this is a low BA power bat with no other skills. This profile is close to contributing. So it has that going for it. I, I ended up on a yeah. positive note. Um, and I put the upside grade at 7B. Uh, right now, the upside grade would be at 7C. So that would be an average regular with a 50% chance to get there. To right. think that a top 10 pick from last year's draft. That wasn't a bad draft. It wasn't this year's draft, but it wasn't yeah. 2021's draft. Uh, is a 7C player at this point. We don't normally see that. They usually take several years to progress to yeah. uh, that low of an upside grade on our, our site. So we're looking at a guy that has had a rough time. Uh, this year in particular, he's been split between two levels. Um, stats are 223, 272, 365. That's, of course, batting average on base percentage and slugging with six home runs. A bunch of doubles, 21 doubles. Um, uh, not the sort of production you would uh, see, uh, especially from a guy that you believed was ready for these two levels. Um, yeah. He struggled yeah. worse in high A. Had a week and a half of good play and got called up to double A. It was like almost like, all right, he's fixed. Let's get him up there. Um, oh. uh, there's been a rush. I mean, oh, the way that guys are being, uh, what is it, developed these days, you have a shorter timeline. Okay, that's why we've solved last few years so many younger players it's partly because the minor leagues contracted partly because the drafts weren't that strong in uh 2020 and 2021 like there's a lot of reasons going into that um this kid should still be in high a um from my look you know i said he was a little hitchy he wasn't as hitchy there was not really a hitch out of his left-handed swing this year uh but there was no electricity he wasn't developing much torque 
uh, he was uh, he is uh, um, high swing rate. So there's not really a a what would you call a approach there. Um, uh, swing rate is uh, just under 55 percent. He has a high chase rate, about 33 uh, percent. His whiffs are are about average for, for the league. So like he's not whiffing a lot. And I was one of the concerns uh, coming into the draft that he would whiff a lot. Um, to get to the power. It's almost as if he's trying to be a contact hitter when he needs to be a power hit. Um, and so he's trying to find this other other thing, this contact, and it's not working out for him. He's He is so top-heavy with his swing, meaning that he's swinging from his upper body. He's not use, utilizing his lower half. The torque is not coming from the hips. The torque is coming from the body shivering or shivering, uh, shivering, basically <laughs> shivering. I, I, I guess that would generate some power and stuff. <laughs> Mechanically, he is messed up right now. Uh, the problem is, is like physically he can't be that. There's not that electricity in him. He's probably a below average athlete uh for for a guy definitely for a guy that was drafted in the first uh 10 picks of a draft uh, especially offensive guy uh those concerns at third base i saw him two games at first i saw him one game at third base he made a play to the naked eye at third base that you would say wow put a star by that one uh but it took him forever to get to the ball um uh, really truly it shouldn't have been a bang bang play uh uh he did not react well um, the good thing is, is that it wasn't a fast runner running there. So what this does is as a first baseman, it's going to put even more pressure on that power to produce. I don't think it's there. Yeah. And so that's a problem for the for the Marlins is uh, they spent the number six overall pick on a guy uh, just like they did with the number three overall pick several years ago with J.J. Blade. A guy lacking electricity. Now, Blade, they were able to get AJ Puck, who's been pretty good in their pen. Um, mm -hmm. However, it, it, it's you know, dude, Blade is not doing much for the Athletics. I don't even think he's on their major league roster right now. So, like, okay. you're 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 looking. This is an organizational problem. And sadly, we're going to talk about three other guys from drafts, and it's the same old story over and over again. And yeah. I promise you all, we're not trying to be grumpy old men today. Um, <laughs> we're not, you know, uh, what is it, Statler and Waldorf from the Muppets, you know, the, yeah, the right. guys right. in the in the yeah, balcony the that are always, right. you know, talking smack to the, the Muppets. We're not trying to be that, but... The Marlins and a few of the other teams we are going to talk about today have an organizational issue that they need to solve. So let's yeah. let's just continue going on to the Marlins. Uh, who's who's my next guy, Brent? Uh, Will Banfield is a catcher there in the organization. He has uh, hit 268, 306, uh, 469 uh, so far. So at least he's slugging a little bit more than the uh, sixth overall pick from last year, who's again has a 365 slugging uh, between two levels. But uh, Banfield specifically, what uh, what did you see? He's a second rounder from 2018. What did you see with him? I had a lot of his coverage as an amateur at Brookwood High School, uh, which is in the Atlanta area. Uh, mm -hmm. They produced a pitcher a few years ago, too, that 
Uh, I can't think of his name. He went to college. I think he's it was first or second round pick. Um, but they, uh, you know, it's a it's a pretty decent school. I, cool. I saw a kid that lacked a hit tool in high school. A lot of power, lacked a hit tool, lacked an approach. Uh, looking at that stat line, that 268 just kind of screamed to me like, wow. You know, and when I saw him, he was in the, in the 273 range. So he, he did have a rough series against the Reds AA prospects uh, and, and have, has dropped to 268. But uh there's no absolute approach here. It, it's grip it or rip it. He has a 30, close to 40% chase rate. Uh, oh. His whiff rate's about 30%. Uh, but of all the players we're talking about today, he's the most likely to have a long major league career. And the reason for that is he is a catcher and he could be a decent backup catcher. Uh, you know, strong arm behind home plate. Um does enough. He's not the greatest defensive player, but again, how many catchers are that you know grip or rip type? Um, there's there's tons of them that are backup catchers in this league. Um, so theme here is when I acquire any of these guys in fantasy, yeah. it, it's very hard to say, and and that's that's part of the story. So I don't want to I don't want to be you know tripping too much on Banfield since he is a you know, he projects to be a backup um, catcher, but a guy that's having a much better season than I think he that I would have expected after that look. I, I would have yeah. not have thought that he was batting close to 270. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interesting. Third guy on here is Nassim Nunez, a shortstop uh, in, again, in the Marlins organization. Um, does have 41 steals so far, second rounder in 2019. Uh, but uh, yeah, but by looking at things, that bat the bat is not quite developing either. Uh, what did you see with Nunez? Well, you saw him this year. Futurist game MVP. This team, yeah, exactly. Nunez. Right. Um, right. So Nunez is a kid that uh, came out in the 2019 draft, second round, out of Collins Mill High School. Another kid I got to see on the amateur side. Uh, a kid that I had very serious question marks about um, three aspects of his game and had absolutely no question marks on his speed and on his defensive ability. Um, I thought that he had a plus glove. It looks like even though I saw him make a uh, bobble, I don't think they gave him an error on the play they shouldn't have on a really tough, tough uh, bounce, uh, but looks very smooth at shortstop beyond that one little play. Um, so a guy that has a chance at a major league career based on his defensibility and his ability to run. Um, however, uh, switch hitter struggles to hit. Uh, and that's plain and simple. In a futures game, he did what he does. Um, yeah. What he does best is is basically as a left-handed hitter, take the ball the other way and, and slash it. But uh, the problem is, is the quality of contact because he's a very – he's a very – Thin player, uh, lean player. He's yeah. not a guy with a lot of 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 strength, and he doesn't necessarily use the lower half that well in his in his swing. Um, where it's detrimental to Barry, this guy can get away with it a little because of his slasher type profile. But even then, you're seeing a guy that's only batting two twenty three. Um, what's saving him is a higher on base percentage, but uh, obviously he's not slugging. He only has four home runs this year. And as Brent said, he has 41 steals, and that's in 45 attempts. Um, of course, 
he steals the first uh, uh, first instance he gets on second base. It gets thrown out uh, when I get to see him. But I did also get to see some legit steals as well. Um, dude is just fast. He's a, he's a plus plus runner, seventy grade speed. Um, I had him at eighty grade speed in high school. He could still be there. There's a hard comparison. You know, like you get home to first times, and then you see him on the bases. His home to first time was closer between a six and a seven. Um, on the eight scale or 60 or 70 um, on the on the 80 scale. But on the bases, he looked much quicker. Uh, so he yeah. could actually be at 80 instead of uh, uh, 60 or 70. So uh, I just I think that you give him as much chance because he has defensive skills and speed. Uh, it, you know, with the new rosters at 26, they're not necessarily new. But with a roster, you can have that defensive specialist and speed guy on your team. You can you can essentially carry him, especially given the three batter limit uh, for pitchers. Uh, so there's a career here for him. But are you going to do anything more than stream this guy? Like that's that's where it's where it gets a little complicated for for Nunez. Yeah. So another guy that uh, like Banfield, I have him as a six um, uh, potential rating. Uh, both of those guys are probably six Bs because uh, yeah. I think that they will get to that, you know, bench platoon possible, maybe, you know, type of yeah. outcome. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Last guy on here is uh, another infielder, Cody Morissette, a second rounder in uh, 2021. So more, uh, more recent than uh, or more recent draftee than the others. Um, what can you tell about, uh, tell us about Morissette? Well, his slash line is 209, 285, 362. And honestly, watching him, uh, watching his setup and all of that kind of stuff, uh, I thought, okay, this guy has taken a step forward. He's always had swing and miss issues. His uh, whiff rate this year is only about 25%. Again, just like kind of like Barry, he has stopped using the lower half of his body a lot, you know, as much as he probably should. Um uh, I I thought I honestly of the four guys I thought that Morissette's bat was the best of them and he's batting the worst of them if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> he had an awful year in his little stint in High A. Uh, has had a bad year in Double A. He had some injuries this year too, I believe. Uh, even though he's been in 81 games, there's been some some bumps here, bumps there. Uh, so like this is a this is a kid that you know. All these kids really have a chance at us seeing them in Arizona this year. Uh, you know, they, they tend to not just send the injury folk there, the guys that have been, you know, have spent some time on the IL. Uh, they send all kinds of types. The best prospect for me on the team is a guy that we're not even mentioning here, but another dude that's uh, had some struggle this year, and that was uh, Victor Mesa Jr., not Victor Mesa Mesa, the brother. Uh, is Victor Mesa Jr. and that guy is batting 231, the 306 on base percentage, the 383 slug. Uh, but the the ball jumps off of his bat when he makes contact. Uh, again, he doesn't get to barrel often, and as you can see, that's not a great thing. But he also plays uh, phenomenal center field defense, uh, and that's yeah. uh, that's a a check there. That again, just like Nunez. Uh, this guy does something that maybe other team, you know, a team doesn't necessarily have uh, a good defensive yeah. shortstop. In this case, a good defensive center fielder. Uh, yeah. So, like, this guy has a better chance. But just quickly on our theme here, going over some of the recent um, high draft picks 
of the Marlins, uh, specifically hitters. We're not going to really pick on their pitchers because they seem to develop pitchers and have had some bad luck. But uh, 2017, Brian Miller was a compensation round, 36th overall pick. Mm -hmm. I saw him in 2017 and knew that that kid was not going to hit for power anytime, anywhere. Uh, I don't know what they saw. I guess they liked the contact skills or something. Joe Denard had some weird comps to A-Rod coming into that draft. I don't know where that came from, uh, but he was not certainly A-Rod. He's a guy that has has not really panned out. Riley uh, Mahan, who was the third rounder from that year, is another guy that I saw a bunch. Just didn't really have the offensive skills. You go on to 2018, their first round pick was Connor Scott. Uh, Ursaris Johnson was their second rounder. Uh, Tristan Pompey was their third rounder. Mm-hmm. Oh, here's a top pick that's in the major leagues. Nick Fortes, who's a backup catcher. <laughs> they, they, they're they producing backup catchers out of the draft. J.J. Blade, they traded away, doesn't look like a major league regular. Cameron Misner, traded away, does not look like a major league regular. Nassim Nunez, I'm only going to the fourth round, folks. Does not look like a major league regular. Peyton Burton, Burdick, who had some some um, helium because of how hard he hit the ball, uh, does not look like a major league regular. Um, uh, 2020 draft now, all pitchers. Um, Max Meyer got hurt. Dax Fulton got hurt. They've had some bad luck as well. Zach McK- uh, McKinley is now a relief pitcher um, who's only throwing 90-92. Um, I got to see him this week. Khalil Watson, Brent. First yeah. round pick, 2021, just got traded for Josh Bell. Um, yep. Has just been bad. I mean, that's what it's been. There's been some attitude issues, apparently. Not enough contact, a poor approach. Joe Mack, their conversation round guy, not that great. We've already talked about Morissette. Jordan McCants didn't really look good out of high school. Um, looked like a guy who should have went to college. Um, this is the theme. I can go on and on and on and on. <laughs> But yeah. here's here's the biggest here's the biggest thing, Brent. On their major league roster right now, they have four guys that they drafted. We already yeah. said Nick Fortes, Braxton Garrett, a guy that you know is a starting pitcher for them, right? Like, yep. he's doing stuff at least. Yeah, and doing doing fairly well. I mean, yeah, uh, ups and downs, but uh, uh, putting together a decent year. Ryan Hoeing. Who's like the swingman guy? Yeah. Had a few starts, mostly working in relief, and then a guy that they drafted towards the end of the teens, Andrew Nardi, who has been a pretty good reliever and has kind of stepped up yeah. as a, a you know third or fourth setup guy. You know, when yeah. Tanner Scott's not going, you know they've they've uh, AJ Pucks now moved down in the pecking order now that he's not closing. Uh, those are the four guys that they've produced that's been on their team this year, essentially. Um, yeah, they they are not, and you got to think this whole time they've had top ten picks. This isn't this isn't a team that has not been blessed with top ten picks. Yeah. This team. So when I say to avoid Marlins prospects, you should avoid Marlins, especially hitting prospects, until they prove to us that they have this fixed. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's certainly a uh a theme that runs throughout like you know, like you just read off all of their or a bunch of their top picks over the past several years and they just uh have not 
on the hitting side anyway, been able to develop uh, just about, uh, you know, just about anyone. And, uh, you know, even just, you know, anecdotally, the four, the four guys you picked out, Barry, Banfield, Nunez, and Marset, were all uh, either first or second round picks at some point in the past uh, five years. And uh, just have, uh, you know, just have failed to develop. And I think that is, that is something to kind of keep in mind um, as we're uh, thinking about, especially, um, you know, keeper in dynasty leagues about uh, selecting players and especially ones in the minor leagues that we hope will come up, um, that there are, are some organizations that, uh, that, that do well and may not do so well. And uh, we'll talk about a, a couple more of them uh, just in a little bit. Let's, uh, let's take a break and see who Patrick has on as a guest on this week's episode of, the, of uh, Baseball HQ Radio. Hey, Eyes Have It listeners, PD here from the Baseball HQ Radio podcast. This week's pod is another great Friday full edition featuring an expert interview with Ariel Cohen from Rotographs, the Beat the Shift podcast, and the ATC player projection and valuation systems. Ariel and I will discuss rest of season player projections and how to use them to work the categories. We'll talk about setting lineups effectively and performing player analysis. And he'll have his boons and banes for the rest of the season. Plus, we'll have all the usual great stuff. Ray's on holiday, so I'll have this week's news analysis, and we'll have our Baseball HQ commentaries. That's Ariel Cohen, available now on this week's Friday Full Edition of the podcast with fantasy baseball intelligence for winners. It is Baseball HQ Radio, and I hope you'll join us. Thank you, PD. Don't forget to tune in to the award-winning Baseball HQ Radio. At your favorite podcaster, log on to BaseballHQ.com and look for the Baseball HQ Radio Widget. And uh, that's the great, uh, you know, great podcast. And, uh, you know, they talked last week, actually. I did a Samuel uh, Basalo um, article for the site, and uh, Patrick used it in the Miners Minute last week. So thank you, Patrick. Appreciate it. Uh, Check out his pod always always a a action-packed great guest always and a lot of baseball hq um personalities stop in and and talk on that show so let's move uh again picking up this theme of kind of organizations that uh may or may not be uh good ones to choose uh fancy prospects from i know you have long had the white Sox as part of your coverage um, for uh, for Baseball HQ in the minor league baseball analyst and the organization reports that uh, we do every year. And um, I think there's some similarities there, at least in the uh, success realm uh, that you've talked about, uh, that you've covered already with the Marlins. Um, what are some of the kind of issues that the White Sox have uh, going forward in developing prospects? I actually think the White Sox do a better job at, at drafting guys um, than the Marlins do. And uh, just going through their little history briefly, uh, you know, you look at their their drafts and there's guys that have contributed. They might not be necessarily uh, big dogs on their team, uh, but there's guys that have contributed in their 2017 draft. Uh, you know, Jake Berger was a was a great pick for them with the sixth yeah. with the eleventh uh, overall pick. Um, 
I'm looking here on the draft tracker, and I, I guess MLB uh, pipeline had him ranked 16th for the draft. Um, but he was the 11th overall pick, and then Berger had several injuries, missed several years. Uh, but they just uh, made a trade. They just traded him away to the Marlins, actually. Marlins now have him. Uh, you know, Berger hits the ball hard, but it's it's a low BA type guy. But at least that was a regular player. It might be an average regular. Maybe some people uh, see him as a solid regular, but at least an average regular. But even looking at that draft in 2017, there's several guys that at least made some sort of impact in the big leagues. I know the third round pick, Luis Gonzalez, just got DFA'd today by the Giants. But, you know, he's seen some some MLB time. Gavin Sheets has been kind of their, you know, uh, plug and play whenever they needed a guy in the corners this year or a DH uh, in the out corner outfield in the DH this year. Not necessarily not necessarily a starting caliber player, but a guy a guy that has been a you know has produced for him. Unlike some of the names that we talked about with the Marlins, um, they also took uh, Nick Magical, which was a kind of a high pick. Um, to be honest with you, and they they traded him and got a you know a deadline deal on him. Uh, hasn't lived up to his his billing. Um, there's several other guys they've done, they've they've had success with some pitchers too. Uh, I I kind of wanted when I was thinking about this, I wanted to look specifically at the 2019 draft, which was like the last real normal draft that uh, uh, baseball had until this year, yeah. really. Um, and in that draft, they had the third overall pick, and they took Andrew Bond, who. Hasn't lived up to expectation, but is at least a solid regular player. Uh, right? Wouldn't you say solid regular player at this point? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Solid yeah. regular. Still, still young. Yeah, solid regular. Um, I, I don't know how much of that, you know, getting yo-yoed last year has, has really hurt his development. He got yo-yoed, guys. Um, yeah, but then you look at the rest of the draft. Uh, Matthew Thompson, I think he's in double A right now relief prospect uh you know a guy that even when he went to arizona in 2019 after after the season there were there were people that were high on him there it was a high upside guy andrew dahlquist was their third rounder and and there was people that i talked to that liked him a lot more he's still in high a i think for the third straight year uh dahlquist is a guy that has long been off my list um and then there's a bunch of guys that haven't done anything, with the exception of one guy, Avery Weems, uh, who has uh, appeared in the major leagues. He was a senior sign for them. They paid ten thousand dollars for him as a senior sign, and he is probably more productive than most of this draft. Caleb Ferguson's another name uh, that um, they didn't sign out of this draft, I don't believe, but then picked them up, maybe. They don't have a signing amount next to them. I, I, uh, that's kind of weird. I think that there's just a misprint there. Uh, but just a very, very hard draft when you have the third pick in every round of the draft yeah. and you picked this draft. It, it, it's really hard to comprehend. Uh, and this wasn't somewhere where they were trying to save money here or there. Um, I think that they did try to spend some money later in the in the draft on some some high school guys, but it didn't really work out. Um, having the White Sox organization every year, it's hard to get 25 guys to, to write up. Uh, and that's that's 
that's terrible. They paid in 2020 in that. I mean, everybody messed up the 2020 draft, it seems, except for mm-hmm. um, except for the Braves, I guess. Um, but the 2020, the, they picked Garrett Crockett, which, had, I mean, he's had some some injury issues as well. Uh, but he's been a reliever when he's been healthy. And they took him with the 11th overall pick uh, and gave him $4.55 million. And then they gave $3 million to Jarrett Kelly, who was a bad body high school um, pitcher who threw hard but had no semblance of command. This, this is an organizational issue here when you can't develop players. Now, they've got plenty of guys that have contributed somewhat to the team, but no real stars have come out of these drafts having this high draft pick and being as as bad, you know, it, as bad as they've been. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I... I actually this year they they took a um, they took a high upside or high floor guy um, in the first round named uh, Jacob Gonzalez out of Ole Miss. I don't think that there's a huge upside on there, but you know I think he's a regular player at least, mm-hmm. and that's saying a lot considering their last few drafts. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe they're not gambling as much now. Maybe they're like okay, let's try. Um, and I also see a limited amount of high school players on this in this draft. Yes, they they uh, in the seventh round this year they they went over slot with uh, George uh, Wolko, who I don't really know much about. He's an Illinois draft uh, high school draft pick, but they liked him enough to to give him uh, over slot money, uh, give him considerable eight hundred thousand more, seven hundred thousand more. Um, over slot uh, to get him six foot seven guys. So probably a power hitter type, a a guy that they don't really have a history of developing. So, you know, that's sad there too. So uh, just an organization that like I dread writing every year, Uh, but they're in my coverage area. I get to see them a lot. Um, And I'll be honest, I had a chance to see Winston Salem this, this, this week. And I didn't go because man, I, I think there might be three guys. So, that's not enough money to make that trip with the gas prices right now. There's three guys that I wouldn't get an article out of and I would not talk about on the podcast. Yeah. But they would yeah. be in their little, you know, in the baseball forecaster this year with a little blurb by them. Uh, yep. So, like, that, it's very, very hard with these these sort of works. Um, you picked one of my ex – yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, yeah, I mean, as you're talking about sort of one uh, – uh, one team's kind of continual year over year sort of questionable picks in the first round. I took a team that and focused in on one year, um, and that's uh, to, to kind of illustrate the same kind of thing that they, um, because of, you know, it seems like they've struggled to uh, fully develop uh, some of these uh, picks. If you remember back in 2018, the Kansas City Royals, um, had, uh, by virtue of where they finished and uh, some extra compensation picks, had uh, four of the first 40 picks um, in that draft. And uh, they selected, uh, in turn, uh, Brady Singer with the 18th pick, and then Jackson Kowar, a right-handed pitcher with the 33rd pick, and right after him, Daniel Lynch, left, left-handed starter, uh, Pick number 34, and then pick number 40 was Chris, 
Chris Bubich. Um, now, if you're, you know, these are four players everyone, um, I would think, listening is familiar with. Um, but, the, but the, you know, the fact remains that really um, none of them have really uh, developed into what you would, what you would kind of hope, I think, out of, out of having four of the first 40 picks uh, in that draft. I think it's interesting that they're all, they were all uh, college guys. So, um, you know, the, the, um, the good side of that is sort of, and big time, you know, from bigger time uh, programs. And the, uh, of course, the upside to that is that they'll get to the major leagues uh, quicker, that they're in, in theory kind of developed a little bit more because uh, several of them anyway had, you know, had gone through kind of uh, higher, higher pressure gauntlet of, of college baseball. Um, but they all had things to kind of improve on. And I saw, uh, I believe all four of these guys, um, as they came through, uh, Wilmington here, when, um, the Wilmington Delaware high a franchise was, uh, was, uh, affiliate was part of the Royals franchise and, um, singer, you know, was, had a great, uh, you know, didn't throw super hard, but had a, you know, a great slider, a fastball slider combination. And the thing, even back in A-ball in 2019 was, you know, is, was he going to develop a third pitch, a changeup enough to kind of, uh, to kind of keep, uh, to, to get him to kind of a, um, a, a regular starting pitcher level. And, you know, we're finally seeing the signs the past couple of years of maybe uh, that happening, um, but it's kind of taken a while. The other guys, yes. you know, the other guys, Kowar um, was, uh, you know, is a, uh, was more of a fastball changeup guy, had a great changeup that fell off the table, could uh, dominate lefties with it. But his issue was, was he ever going to get a breaking pitch, a curve or a slider um, to be able to, you know, to add to that mix. And um, he, you know, has gone through a couple of years. He's had a taste of the majors here and there. Um, but it's been a guy where he'll go down to the minors, uh, you know, just dominate AAA. You think that uh, he's ready, uh, ready to do it at the major league level, and they brought him up, and he's gotten hit really hard. Um, that's Coar. Both of those guys were, you know, University of Florida um, on that same University of Florida team um, from 2018, and then of course Daniel Lynch, which we're familiar with too. The third, though, I had the third pick out of that group. Um, you know, from the University of Virginia, I know there's, you know, there's uh, questions many people have about uh, how they develop some of their uh, pitchers. But, the, the, you know, the physicality was there um, with, with Lynch. He had a wider arsenal than the other two, uh, really a double-plus slider when I saw him um, back at, uh, in that 2019 season. A mid-90s fastball had a tall, you know, a tall, lean, uh, perfect, uh, left-handers delivery and body type. Um, and he, you know, just still hasn't found it. Um, he's had more injuries than some of the others. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm certainly, I've been a sucker for Lynch personally, just because I saw him be so good, uh, in, in several, uh, high A starts here. And you just, uh, you know, it just gets me going, Back when he's uh, when he gets puts a couple of good starts in a row together at the major league level, it's like yes, the light's going on. I'll uh, roster him and 
and uh, <laughs> we know that that has not that has not worked out so well. Um, one of the downsides sometimes of of seeing uh, of seeing these prospects. Um, and then the fourth one, of course, is with the pick again, pick forty overall. Um, you know, it was Chris Bubich went to Stanford. Um, more of a pitchability lefty, you know, not sort of a seen as sort of a back of the rotation uh, type. Um, again, with a really, uh, really plus plus changeup, um, but with kind of without the velocity or the shape on the fastball to kind of uh, take it to that next level, um, as well as you know trying to struggle to find a good breaking ball to work. And I know um, before he got hurt this year. Uh, there was talk in spring training of the slider that he developed, um, but again, he was he succumbed to an injury as well. Um, and you know, it, it could be anecdotal that all four of those uh, guys have not quite lived uh, up to that hype. I mean, it's been it's been five years. Um, but then you look at some other kind of recent history with uh, uh, pitchers that. Kansas City has drafted uh, the year later in 2019. They took Alec Marsh, uh, who is getting beat around a little bit uh, this year at the major league level. He took him in round two. In round three, they took a uh, Oregon Stater, great Grant Gambrell, who I'm not familiar with at all. Um, and then in 2020, in the 2020 draft, again, you know, obviously everything that goes with 2020, they had the fourth overall pick. And they took uh, Asa Lacey, a uh, big left-hander, and Yikes. he has, and he just has had trouble throwing strikes from the get-go. Um, has had several major injuries, and I don't believe he's even uh, pitched competitively this year. I, I mean, he's still in the organization, but has, uh, I believe, has been hurt all year. All that to say, I mean, I think it's just a, um, you know, a really. Uh, when you put it all together, you're just kind of wary of of taking uh, of taking a chance on you know some of these younger uh, Royals pitchers uh, for your mm-hmm. fantasy teams. Now, I mean, the one thing with the Royals is that there has been um, some articles written, especially this year, of kind of the overhaul of their development staff, um, specifically on the pitching side. I think some of it has come in with uh, the new manager and some of the uh, changes they made from last year. So we'll see how that um, how that takes effect. Um, but again, you know, it's tough to judge that until you're several several years uh, down the road. And uh, but it's just again sort of a you know just an example of an organization that's really struggled to. Um, in this case, kind of develop good starting pitching. And I think it, uh, you know, it says a lot about the, of kind of where yeah. they've been the past couple of years. Uh, you know, they've hit on a couple of hitters, uh, Bobby Witt and uh, Melendez has shown some uh, signs and Prado and, and Pasquantino, you know, kind of adding to uh, that. But the pitching side, young pitchers for sure have, uh, have uh, really struggled. Yeah. Um, just, and, just, uh, just, uh, some, some comments here, uh, yeah. looking at that draft that you looked at, uh, they, they had several major leaguers in that draft. Uh, yeah. uh you know, they, um, Austin Cox has pitched really well out of the pen, uh, this year. 
Uh, Kyle Isbell is, I guess, a semi-regular player for them. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. But not really a great player. Uh, I guess I yeah. never really understood that hype around him. Um, I, I just, it just never really have. So, yeah. uh, you know, but they they got some some picks out of that at least that made it to the big leagues and stuff. But as you illustrated, that's you. I mean, they could have gone so many different directions there. There yeah. were some rumors leading into the draft that they would have gone Cole Wilcox out of high school with uh, that first pick okay. and then yeah. fill fill that in to be able to pay him because he was asking for a pretty high amount of money. But mm-hmm. Brady Singer fell to them. Yeah. Brady Singer made that decision. I mean, that was the right decision going after Singer. Like, they made the right call there. Um you know, yeah, he was, where they, he was, we, yeah, yeah, he was, he was much, much higher, if I remember. I mean, as far as the yeah. mock drafts and all that sort of thing, uh, that's right. I sort of, I sort of slipped my mind that, uh, that he fell much further than, uh, folks realized. And they had the money to, to go and get him because of all of that space. They yeah. saved actually on the Daniel Lynch one. And, and the Lynch one was a guy that while he was at Virginia that last year, he added velocity late in the year. And so, you know, again, uh, I hate to, this is the third episode that we've talked about Virginia. You might not have been on any of them. I don't know. Uh, But that's, that's a school that I try to avoid uh, in dynasty is Mm -hmm. when I see a guy from from Virginia specifically, I was at Florida, but Florida has that reputation too of guys that have not necessarily panned out. Um, Yeah. I at Stanford too. Those are three schools that I always wonder about. Like they're always high up there in the draft. Vanderbilt hitters. We had a you know mm-hmm. we talked about JJ Blade earlier. We had hey, Enrique yeah. Banfield uh, mm-hmm. um, um, mentioned. Uh, there was Jaron Kendall a few years ago. Like yeah. uh, you know, there's everybody has guys that they do good with and guys that they don't. Um, uh, Virginia, Florida. They're they're very concerned about winning in the SEC and the ACC respond well ACC SEC respectively, um, mm-hmm. and getting you know getting titles and and winning the conference championships and that sort of thing. Uh, that maybe their pro development's not as great um, yeah. as you know we we saw Mike Vassell at uh, Virginia the Mets prospect lose so mm-hmm. much. Um, you know he was a potential second round pick. Uh, in his draft year as a high schooler, he ended up yeah. being a ninth round pick. And yes, he's rebounded. Um, they got him back to what he was doing before, and they've now added and subtracted some things. And he looks like a, a major league starting pitcher at this point. But uh, uh, Virginia basically sucked it out of him. Um, and, and those are those are the things. So so it's just not organizations. And you know, we spend a lot of time, Brent, talking about the good stories, right? about how teams are successful. You know, when we were talking this over, you were going to, you know, we were going to talk about the Orioles possibly. Yeah, Um, I was just, yeah, I was just going to just, just quickly note that like, you know, in, in the recent, you know, in the recent past, and this is mainly, uh, I think almost all, not all of them, but a lot of them are pitchers they traded for but like developed into more than what they were um, uh, thought that they would be. Uh, you got Kyle Bradish this year, uh, Tyler Wells over the past couple of years, even some, you know, even someone like Dean, Dean Kramer, Kramer got, yeah. they got from the Dodgers uh, has been, you know, 
a middle to back end rotation starter for them. And then, you know, even on the even on the relief pitcher side, Felix Bautista, uh, Yanir Cano came over from the Twins, and then uh, they drafted, you know, Michael Ballman, who's been uh, really good as a as a setup guy too. And then, of course, you know, Grayson uh, Rodriguez is obviously still to be determined. Um, but it makes you uh, think about, you know, those. It makes me think about, given those recent successes like that, um, you know, is there something going on there that uh, that the Orioles are doing developmentally? Uh, to kind of get the the most out of their pitchers, and I think that's something that uh, as we, you know, as we select or acquire, um, you know, dynasty and keeper uh, prospects like that for our for those leagues, uh, it's just something interesting to keep in mind. Um, yeah, just contrasting I, I, the contrasting the Orioles uh, in this specific case with uh, someone like the Royals from several years ago. And I definitely would take a, a Orioles uh, minor league starting pitcher over uh same ranked Royals guy. Um yeah. you know, we we talked about Ben Kinderna on episodes, Frank uh, Mazzucato yep. on episodes. I'll be yeah. honest, these are guys I'm not rostering. Uh yeah. because I don't I have not seen outcomes yet. They could be new guys. I mean the Nationals have a whole new group in there and I don't really trust them yet either. I, I think that um, you know, you see how Robert Hassel has kind of dropped off since they've gone mm-hmm. to that organization. James Wood has it, but he's supremely talented type deal. Like, you can get the supremely talented guys, um, you know, you might not mess them up. But guys yeah. that have some weaknesses to their game, you have a chance to mess them up. Um, and, you know, the Nationals, uh, they hate to add another one, but th- that's that's your coverage too, right? That's... Uh, yep. They're, they took over for the Royals in um, Wilmington. So, uh, you know, oh, man, that's 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 rough. Um, and, and, you know, that's a hard stadium to play in, too. So especially yeah. if you're a hitter, right? Yes, it's a very, right, very pitcher friendly yeah. uh, venue. And, um, yeah, I'll be interested to see, um, especially with the influx of uh, and you're right to kind of the influx of talent, but to, but to be aware of kind of, yeah, there are some going to be some guys that uh, just athletically and talent wise sort of rise above them all. Um, Whereas here, I think it's interesting, like, especially with the Royals thinking about them molding guys that weren't seen as, um, you know, quite frankly, major league quality starters and getting some innings. You mean, uh, you mean that Orioles, not the Royals. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we all make that mistake because um, for years, the Orioles weren't known as a good team. So it can be turned around, right? Yep. You can turn it around with the right group of people coming in. And that's that's the great thing about this. Um, Well, we're at the what's on tap part of the uh, episode. Uh, Brent, you shared what was on tap uh, prior to the show. Uh, Do you have anything else to add? (laughs) No, I am uh, taking uh, taking off part of this week. Um, uh, for some late uh, summer family time, uh, so looking looking forward to that uh, end of this week. Um, what's on your What's on your mind or or plate this week? Well, I get to be at home and resting after going to three games last week, uh, because the next week I have two actually legit teams in, and we'll talk about them later. Uh, at the end of next week's episode, um, right. but but yes, I I am at home. 
I am concentrating, and if you've read the Eyes Have It uh, article last week where I covered three uh, lower minors uh, hitters, I'm going to just conflict. I'm just going to that article for the rest of the year is going to be lower minors players, uh, pitchers, hitters. I don't know. I have a slate of about eight guys that I've already scouted uh, beyond those three that I've written up. Uh, so one of the three of those eight uh, eight guys are going to be in the next article, and then three of the next eight, you know, and then I'll add to it and add to it and add to it because I feel oh. right now where we're at um, in the prospect game. The upper minors are so barren with talent right now. And mm-hmm. so uh, let's concentrate and try to find you the next guys as opposed to uh, talking about guys like Jacob Barry. Like Jacob Barry is not a premium article at this point. Mm-hmm. And, you know, everybody's poo-pooed him. Um, you know, I actually saw him live to 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 do it, but like that's the thing. And I gave you a, you know, I'm giving you a a good guideline if Barry Barry could still get back to where I thought he would be as a solid regular player type deal. Um, where I mean an average regular player, but it's it's going to take some time. So, um, you know, you you've got to tell the story that you see in right now. Double A and Triple A, the talent level is is bad. Got it. Very good. Good observation. <laughs> well, everybody, thank you for joining us on this week's Eyes Have podcast. I'll be hosting our next episode with a guest. I'm still working on booking a guest, but I'll have a great guest. I promise. Uh, I've got the last two uh, guest episodes already booked, so that's good. Uh, Brent and I would love to hear from you. You can ask us questions at the eyes have it at baseballhq.com or reach out to us on the app formerly known as Twitter X. I'm at C underscore blessing and Brent's at rent HQ. First time listening to the eyes have it pod, click subscribe to get our future episodes and rank us. Uh, spread the word too. That would be really great. And um, may everyone out there have a great week. Brent, as always, it was great talking to you. Yep, same here. Talk, talk again soon. All right, everybody. Have a good week.